Thanks, Ron. What a sweet song. Let me get rid of my announcement paperwork here real quick. <laughs> All right. Good morning again. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy. We're, uh, we're starting a new series this summer. Luke and I will be preaching through the book of uh, 1 Timothy with a little help here and there. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, this summer as we spend digging into this book. So as the, uh, the first message in the series, today is more of a, an introduction, and uh, we're going to kind of kick this all off and just read the first two verses in the, uh, the book of 1 Timothy here. And then uh, I've also got the whole book of Acts at my disposal, so hang on to your seatbelts. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And starting in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's as far as we're going to make it in the book of 1 Timothy today, but I'm not going to sit down just yet. Um, I want to introduce, as Paul introduces himself, I want to introduce to you two great men that are the subjects of this book, and it's the conversation between the two of them that is going to be displayed over the coming weeks as we look at Paul's charge to Timothy and his um, commandments or, uh, and encouragements as to how the church ought to be, how the church ought to function, and warnings that Timothy ought to look out for as he goes about building up the church at Ephesus. But what I want to do today is talk about these two men and the importance that they had to the church and what we can learn from their lives and sort of set the stage for the rest of the book, as it were. So... To, to begin, we need to figure out who these two men are, and we're going to place them uh, properly historically and um, their relationship to one another. So let's start with Paul, and uh, I'm going to turn back into the book of Acts at this point, and uh, you guys can turn with me if you like. But um, I've been doing a, a bit of reading this last week over the life of Paul, and uh, the thing is, is like you read about Paul and you read about him through his writings to other people. And sometimes it's pretty easy to miss who the man actually is that's doing all this writing. And I'm definitely not going to be able to give you a full expository on who Paul was this morning. Um, <laughs> there's a whole lot of research uh, been done into that. Um, but I, I'm not, I don't have it all at my fingertips and I never met the man personally. I look forward to meeting him one day. Um, but just in the little bit of studying that I was able to do this week as I tapped into the subject of Paul um, and, and looked back through the um, stories and acts about him, he's really an amazing character. And he went from being a story and a book, or sorry, a, a, a person in a book, to really a, a real person that I would really look forward to meeting. Um, and I want to try and draw out the story of Paul for you this morning 
um, in, in a very relatable way. And that's, that's kind of my goal this morning. We'll see, we'll see how, how I do at that. Um, but Paul was educated, if you remember, as a Pharisee. And uh, he was probably instructed from a quite young age in all the ways of the Mosaic Law and all the ceremonial rites and all the, um, the legalism of the, of the Pharisees. And Paul is a very intelligent young man, and he studied with the best teachers and dug up all that he could, and he became one of the leading, uh, you could almost say like a, a, a zealot, a very, uh, very fervent religious man, very well respected in all, the, in all the Pharisees, because no matter what Paul turned himself to, he poured his whole activity and attention to. And as we'll see as we go on here, his, uh, <laughs> he's a man of action. And he has uh, great power and resources of, of uh, mind and body that he would pour into whatever endeavor uh, he found before him. And so I see Paul as an energetic young man devoting his life to studying all that the, the, the Scriptures had laid out in the, what we would consider the Old Testament and also towards all the legalism of the Pharisees. And he hauled himself up within the ranks um, to become a really uh, a leading character, well-respected by all. And in fact, he was so zealous that um, as the early church began, he decided that they were so, <laughs> so misled, so misguided, that he, he needed to actively put them down. And so he turned his whole activity to... Uh, persecuting the church. And he went around in Jerusalem arresting people, throwing them in prison, doing whatever he could to suppress the church. And when that wasn't enough, when just Jerusalem wasn't big enough for his zeal against the church, he got letters to go to Damascus and to put down the church there in any way he could find to do it. And so he went off to Damascus the whole group of men and his documents in hand to conquer the next church and, and put it down. And uh, in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 9, I'm not going to go through the whole story because um, a lot of us know it pretty well. Um, but you can see that uh, Saul, as he was called at the time, did, uh, was confronted by Jesus, the Lord Jesus himself, in the middle of the book of Acts. And uh, it completely changed his, his life. He was blinded for three days. And I can only imagine what those three days were like for a man who was so certain that he was doing the right thing and pursuing his course of action with all of his zeal. And the Lord says, nope, <laughs> why are you persecuting me? And all of a sudden... All of, all of Saul's life that he had built up to that point was completely shattered. Everything that he had worked for his entire life was stopped by one vision of the Lord, one conversation with him. And he thought, oh man. <laughs> and I can only imagine what those three days for him must have been like as he sat in that room, neither eating nor drinking, but, but fasting and praying. And he was completely blind at that time as well. And then 
the Lord speaks to Ananias and has Ananias go to this man Saul and speak to him and remove the scales from his eyes. And at that point, Saul's faith in the Lord could not have been stronger. He was utterly one for the Lord. And we know historically um, that Saul, uh, or Paul as he became known then, uh, departed and spent about three years in Arabia um, devoting himself to study. And when he came back, he, uh, he got involved with the church in Jerusalem and with Peter and the other disciples who were there and learned all he could about the, the Lord Jesus from them and started preaching and teaching in Jerusalem. But the Lord had bigger plans for Paul. And so after a while... Uh, he teamed up with Barnabas, and he went out on a, a missionary journey, um, covered, uh, I'm lo- just looking here at a, a map, probably, probably spent about 400 miles by, by land and by sea on his first journey, going up and s- spreading the, uh, the gospel into what would be uh, now the lower part of Turkey. And the Lord started using him in mighty ways. And uh, I can't, um, I don't want to skip over this part because we think like, uh, at least the picture I've had in my mind for a while is like Paul would go into this town and there'd be, you know, fanfare and everybody would be like, oh, Paul's arriving, Paul's arriving. Well, I don't think it was much like that at all. Paul, when he traveled, he would travel as a, as a tent maker. And so he would come into a, a town, not as a, a missionary to go into the center stage and speak to the whole town all at once. He'd simply walk into a town like any other traveler. He probably had uh, Barnabas and maybe a few others with him. And they'd walk in and the first thing they'd do is they'd try and find some place to stay. And after that, they'd try and find uh, maybe the, the local uh, tent maker union or whatever uh, and, uh, and find some people with similar skills and, and fall in with them and start making tents and going about to, to earn their keep while they were in the town. And then they'd make a, a visit to the synagogue and they'd start talking to the Jews there and uh, start telling them about Jesus, that he was the Messiah. And this usually raised a bit of a stir at this point because the Jews were rather set in their ways and... Uh, didn't want to accept Jesus as the Messiah, as you can see if you read any of the Gospels. And so as Paul, who was a very well-studied man in all the Mosaic Law and all the ways of the Pharisees, when he started talking, the, the Pharisees that would be there would recognize this man is one of us. He talks like a Pharisee. He knows how to discuss things just how we would discuss things, and he brings in the Scriptures, and he knows them better than we do. But yet, sort of like the, uh, the stranger on the road to Emmaus, where the Lord explains all the scriptures concerning himself, I think Paul took a, a similar approach and would explain to the Jews, here's how Christ fulfilled all the law and the prophets and is revealed as the Messiah and God in the flesh. And some Jews would believe, and some Jews would not. But then Paul 
would also start preaching to the Gentiles that the gospel was just as effective to all the people who had no relationship with God before as it was to the Jews who thought they had a relationship with God. And as he started doing this ministry in town after town, same thing kept happening over and over again. People would get saved. A church, a church would start. He'd spend some time training them on how to properly work a church. And then, more often than not, the Jews would get mad enough at his teaching and he'd get thrown out of the town, uh, oftentimes violently, for all the uh, religious uproar that he was causing. But it was never Paul's intention to cause an uproar. He just came in and spoke the words of truth to people. And he saw the result of lives being changed. And so I get the, the impression that uh, Paul would be something like a, a traveling preacher would be today, going about working in communities, not with a great deal of fanfare, not with a lot of pride, but humbly, and the Lord would use him, and he would see great changes come to the communities where he would come. On his first missionary journey, he went through two little towns, uh, Lystra and Derby, and uh, he preached the gospel there, and it's probable at this point is when uh, Timothy and Timothy's family first heard the gospel and were saved. We don't, I don't know this for certain, but it's, pro- it's probable that that's the first time the gospel came into that town. But then on his second missionary journey, and here's where we pick up in Acts chapter 16, is when he comes back. And here we have the, the, uh, the first biblical doc, uh, documentation of the meeting of Paul and Timothy. So I'm going to read this out of Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 1. And he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who, had, who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him go with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. And that's the short summary of how Paul and Timothy became friends. We know that Timothy was a younger man than Paul. Paul, uh, I don't know exactly how old he was, but it's uh, probable he was probably uh, maybe even in his 40s and 50, or 50s, somewhere in, in that range. And Timothy was a young man, probably just a teenager when we start here in Acts 16, maybe into his 20s. But something about Timothy, when Paul walked, was working in that town again for the second time, something about Timothy really stuck out to Paul. And it's just summarized in verse 2. It says, He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And that's all the insight we get as to uh, what Timothy was all about. But 
I can't help wondering, what was Timothy like that he was so well spoken of by the saints in two cities? How was he so well known? And this is only uh, speculation, but I think, and I think from his interactions with Paul, that Timothy was also very fervent after the Lord's work. We know from uh, second, the book of 2 Timothy that both his mother and grandmother were, were also saved, and they took care to instruct him as a young man to love the Lord and to passionately pursue the work of the Lord. And so I think Timothy, as a young man, poured himself into whatever ministry he could find to do. I don't know if he went around, went around to other young men in the neighborhoods and preached the gospel to them, or maybe he was very faithful in serving the church and uh, ministering to the saints in the local body. Or maybe Timothy, at this point, because he was well-recognized in several cities, maybe he had already become uh, a little bit of a traveling teacher himself within the local region, um, maybe working with others his own age, um, and encouraging the church and building it up, because it seems that whatever Timothy did, wherever he went, that the church was built up and that the Lord was using him. And that's why he was so well-spoken of by the churches in that area, because they knew that what Timothy did and what Timothy said was all the truth coming from the Lord, coming out of a heart of passion for the Lord. And I think that struck a chord with Paul. Paul's going around, and if anyone was ever passionate for the Lord, it was Paul. I mean, just read the book of Romans, and as he beseeches, or, or Galatians, he says, I beseech you, O Galatians, right? He just, he pours out his heart into whatever work, whatever audience he can find, and he genuinely cares for people. And you can see that uh, as you go through the book of Acts and as it, in Paul's epistles, how he just pours out his heart into whoever the Lord is working in their lives. He sees the Lord working, and he just says, I'm all for that, and he pours himself in um, to the point of <laughs> working as a tent maker by day and ministering to all the saints in whatever uh, spare time he can get, I, I get the idea that Paul was really burning the candle at both ends. And the man didn't sleep much because of all the ministry and all the love that he had for the saints. He would support himself and minister to the saints. And that, that takes a lot of time and work. And I think Timothy must have been doing some of this somewhat of the same, where he was just burning the candle at both ends to see that the Lord's work was done and that the saints were encouraged and built up. And so when Paul and Timothy come together here in, uh, in Acts chapter 16, Paul, sa Paul sees Timothy and he says, that's a man I can use on my team because what he's doing, the Lord is with him. And he has a heart just like mine, that cares for people, that shows a genuine interest in them, that he doesn't just go and address crowds. But I get the feeling that Timothy was really invested in people at an individual level. And he would sit and talk with people and say, what's the Lord doing in your life? Is there something I can pray for you about? Is there some encouragement that I can give you? And that was the heart of Timothy. 
He was always challenging people, always building them up. And Paul thought, man, he's, he's like me. I can use him. And it, you see that at the beginning of uh, 1 Timothy that we just read, where he says to Timothy, a true son in the faith. Paul identified like, with Timothy as close as like father, like son. That's how close of a relationship they had. And that relationship, of course, wasn't built in a day. But as Paul grabs Timothy and brings him with him on the journeys, man, I would have loved to have been there hearing them walk down the road together just talking. And Timothy, I can just hear young Timothy saying, Hey, Paul, what, uh, what led you to the Lord? How did you get saved? And Paul tells Timothy the story of his meeting the Lord on the road to Damascus. And then they start talking about the scriptures. And man, just to hear even a conversation between Paul and Timothy about like, say, Isaiah and the book of Isaiah. What must, must that conversation have been like on the road? I'm sure they had it at one point. And they traveled together and they probably talked about people they'd worked with in the last town. And, things, and they'd pray for them. And they'd, uh, they'd talk about things that they'd learned. People maybe that had given them trouble that they were talking about, okay, how do we deal with this trouble situation if we ever encounter that again? And so they just, they had everything in common as they were traveling together. And you see that the Lord immediately begins to work in using them as a team right here in Acts chapter 16 and verse 4 and 5. And it says, and they, that's Paul and Timothy and the people who are with them, went through the cities until delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. This, this is a dynamic duo right here. There's daily additions to the church because of their ministry. That must have been exciting to watch when they came into a town and started working with people and encouraging them and preaching the gospel. Watch those two guys. Working together as a team. That must have been fascinating. And uh, later in chapter 16, uh, let me see here, where, where am I at here? It's Paul, Paul leaves uh, Timothy behind for a little bit. Oh, uh, chapter 17, I'm sorry. Chapter 17, verse 14. Uh, <clears throat> as, they, as they're on their travels... Paul and Timothy are separated for a little bit. Um, there was a riot at Thessalonica, and so Paul and Silas slipped away by night uh, to Berea. Um, but then in verse 14, it says, uh, Immediately the brethren sent Paul away, this is out of Berea, to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So, while they were working together, for a little bit they had to separate, and Timothy stayed with Silas, who <clears throat> just a, uh, a chapter before, it was Paul and Silas who were together in the, uh, the jail in Philippi, where the jailer was converted. And Timothy must have been somewhere nearby at that time. It doesn't record if he's in prison or not, but he was somewhere nearby. And so he saw all that go on. And then they go to Thessalonica and then Berea. And Timothy's right there along with them. 
But then he stays with Silas for a time in Berea. But then they, uh, they join up later in uh, chapter 18 of Acts, verse 5. Um, it says, when Silas and... Uh, let's see, we're, what, we're, in Cor- we're in Corinth now in chapter 18. And so Silas and Timothy catch back up with Paul at Corinth uh, after they leave Berea. And Paul is there testifying to the Jews again in the synagogue that Jesus is the Christ. So you see these men had a pattern. Going into the town, reaching out to the Jews preaching in the synagogues, starting a church, building it up, working with the saints for as long as they could until things got too rough. And uh, then they would move on. Or a lot of that antagonism often was directed at Paul. And so Paul would leave. And uh, as you see in Berea, Paul had to leave, but Silas and Timothy were able to remain and work with the saints in the church. And I think that must have been a, a, a good time for Timothy as well, working together with Silas, Silas, of course, also worked together with Paul. And they, with the saints in Berea, we know that the saints in Berea were faithful saints who always searched out the Scripture to see that all the teachings were true. And I think that must have been a great time for Timothy and Silas and the saints there just dig into the Word and, uh, and learn about all that stuff that Jesus had spoke and, uh, and come to a more full understanding of who Christ was in the Scriptures. And I think that must have been good for Timothy as well, because he'd see the more experienced Silas working with the church. And I think Timothy was a pretty quick study. I think he learned things quickly and always pursued them to his utmost ability. So overall, Paul and Timothy probably spent at least five, probably more like ten years traveling and preaching together as kind of this dynamic duo. And of course, occasionally they would split up in in different cities and so on and so forth. Um, But we see in, in, in Acts, it's recorded that they spent two whole years in Ephesus to get uh, together preaching there. And uh, Timothy was left there for a little while. Then Paul came back. Um, and then I think Paul had to depart again. I, uh, the, I didn't f- fully grab the whole timeline here. Um, but we know that when the book of 1 Timothy was written, Timothy's back at Ephesus and Paul's elsewhere. And I, I get the feeling that Paul really cared for the church at Ephesus. He'd spent two years there. He knew all the saints very well. And Timothy also likewise had a burden for Ephesus because he'd been there the whole time that Paul was and he actually had remained there even longer than Paul had remained there. And the, uh, the church at Ephesus was doing really well, but it was in, uh, enduring some persecution as well. Um, and that's all recorded. Um, if you want to go uh, look later in, uh, in the book of um, Revelation that there's a letter to the church at Ephesus that commends them for doing well and also addresses some of their struggles. But Timothy was intimately involved in all of that. Um, And I think it's as a result of the labors, the the years and years of labor at Ephesus that Timothy did, that that church was doing so well. But that's sort of the stage for this book um, that Paul's writing to Timothy while he's in Ephesus, and he's saying, here's the things 
that you need to make sure you're doing. I've taught you all these things. You know them well. You've studied with them. But here, I'm putting it all written down. So as we're separated, you have my voice here anytime that you can read it. Um, and uh, Paul, Paul was very proud of Timothy. He was very grateful um, for who he was and how much, uh, how faithful he was in the Lord's work. We see that Timothy stuck with, stuck with Paul um, even when others left him and when other persecution was going on. And uh, as you remember, you know, a lot, of, a lot of bad stuff happened to Paul, right? He was repeatedly beat by the Jews. Uh, he was even stoned once. And if you're a young man like Timothy and you're, uh, following, you're going around with a man like Paul who you look up to as a father and who <laughs> you've learned so much stuff from, to see him be beaten and stoned, <laughs> if I was Timothy, I'd be scared to death. Um, I was reading uh, um, an account, um, not, not from the scriptures, from a historian of, uh, of, uh, that practices stoning. They said that common, uh, the, the common practice when they would do that is the first thing they would do with someone who was to be stoned is they'd find a cliff about 15 or 20 feet high and they'd throw them off the cliff first and then they'd throw the rocks and all that stuff down on them as they were down at the bottom of the cliff. And uh, I can only imagine if Timothy was anywhere nearby watching that happen to Paul or anything, any of, any of the other numerous afflictions that happened to Paul while they were together, man, that, was, that would be scary. I, I'd be running. I'd be worried I'd be down at the bottom of that cliff next. But Timothy didn't do that. Timothy stuck with Paul. And you can only imagine the bond of these two warriors as they've been through all of that, all of that persecution, for the Lord's sake. And Timothy had never wavered from Paul, had never run away. And I'm sure he had endured his own persecutions as well, although they're not recorded. But, oh man, just the, the heart of Timothy to be there with Paul and to endure all that for the gospel's sake. It's really a challenge as, I, as I'm reading through this book and I'm studying, uh, studying through it, I'm really impressed by the character of these two men, that they would go through so much for the gospel's sake. Does it, you know, you can read through the list uh, as Paul shares it of his beatings and shipwrecks and stonings and all of the stuff that Paul went through. It's really a challenge to those, if you consider yourself strong in the faith, would you go through what Paul went through? I'm glad that I don't have to go through the things that Paul went through, but it's a challenge for me. You know, as I study the Word, as I look into who the Lord is, as I deepen my relationship with Him, to be on that, the same footing with Paul where you're just so passionate about the Lord, so convinced about the truth of the Gospel. You've seen it work in so many people's lives that it's just unthinkable to give it up. Man can do what they might, but it's unthinkable to give up the gospel. And I'll admit, as I read it, I'm like, wow. I, I don't know that that conviction 
is in me. <laughs> I really don't. To, to go through stonings and, and, and just repeated time after time after time, you start to wonder what you're doing wrong. And the only way, the only way that Paul could hang on to his conviction is if he had a deeper conviction of who the Lord was and what the Lord was doing in his life and the life of the people around him. That's the only way you hold on to something like that. Because just reading about it and studying it, it's just words on a page. But when you actually live with the Lord Jesus daily, when you see Him working in lives, when you see the prayers that are answered, and I, I just think of all the, the things we've, we've been through here in this church and the, the prayers we've seen answered and the lives we've seen change. And I think, man, I want more of that. I want more of seeing the Lord work so that my conviction about Him can be deeper. And that my passion for Him might be deeper so that I might in turn pour out into more people. That's the heart of Paul. And that's the heart that I want for myself and I hope that you guys want too. And I want to be a, a Timothy who sticks with other people who are having a tough time, who are perhaps trying to reach out to the, even their family, and their family is ostracizing them because of their passion for the gospel. How much does it mean to someone who might be the only saved person in their family if we as saints come alongside them and say, I see what you're doing and reaching out to your family, and I'm with you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for your family. How much greater is that than just one person going it alone? And so that's, that's the spirit of Paul and Timothy, and I think that's the challenge to us, is this isn't just some words in a book that we can study about people who lived a long time ago. This could be us. This could be us reaching out towards other people, sticking with each other, and living together in unity as a body and seeing the Lord work. And we're already seeing it. We already see that here, don't we? And I just, I get so excited when I think of how, how many things could we see the Lord work? Because we see it with Paul and Timothy. And there's a, there's a lot of biblical precedent, of course, as well for that Paul-Timothy relationship between an older man and a younger man. And I don't want to steal all the thunder from later passages in, in Timothy that we're going, up, uh, going to go over over the next couple of months. We've got, uh, we've got plenty of time to study that. I don't have to expound on it all this week. Um, and we're going to spend some time looking at, you know, older men, if you can find a Timothy to instruct... That's a, that's a golden thing, to find a young man with energy who wants to serve the Lord and can benefit from all the wisdom that someone like Paul has, who's, who's been there, who's tried to reach out to people, who's not always succeeded. Paul wasn't always successful, but who has learned the lessons of what it takes to reach people with the gospel and is willing to impart those to an eager, energetic young person who wants to make a difference. 
That's, that's a dynamite relationship right there. And uh, I'm grateful for the older men in my life who have taught me and encouraged me. Because I wouldn't be standing here right now if it wasn't for those men who have encouraged me. And I think Timothy could say the same thing to the church at Ephesus. He could say, I wouldn't be here ministering to you guys unless Paul had brought me here and Paul had taught me all the things that he had taught me and encouraged me in all the ways. And look, I've got a letter from Paul with further encouragement. I don't think Timothy kept this book to himself. Oh no. I think he shared it with the saints. He said, look, look what my Father in the Lord has sent me. And I think perhaps even the, the relationship between Paul and Timothy uh, might have been closer because um, it says in Acts chapter 19 um, that Timothy's father was a Greek. And then when, in 2 Timothy, when Paul speaks to him, he talks about the faith of his mother and of his grandmother, but he doesn't mention Timothy's father. And so, Scripture doesn't shed any more light on the subject, but it's possible that Timothy's father was at least unsaved, or maybe he wasn't there at all. But to have someone like Paul take an interest in Timothy, who didn't have a father, a physical father, pouring into him all the things that a young man would need to learn, I think that meant a lot to Timothy, and it deepened that bond between the two of them. And I think it's also a good testament to the faith of his mother and grandmother. And it's a situation we can relate to today. There's families even in our assembly that have unsaved fathers or fathers who aren't there. That the mothers are diligently teaching their children about the Lord. And look how Timothy turned out. Without the influence of his father, at least in spiritual things, he had a man come alongside him who, who taught him, and he already had all that training from his mother and grandmother who had brought him up in the, in the right way of instruction. And so that's a real testament to the power of mothers and, uh, and their, their ability to encourage their children in the gospel and bring them up in the way that they should go. Think of Timothy, <laughs> you mothers, as you train your children. And also, I, again, I, you just see the heart of Paul as well as he takes in this young man and he says, all right, if you're with me, there's a lot of stuff we can do. And so he pours into Timothy. And we need, we need older men in the assembly like Paul who challenge the young men, who say, this is our life. We're full steam ahead for the gospel. We're all on fire for God. And if anyone wants to come with us, if anyone wants to learn the right way, come with us. We've got some plans. We've got some traveling to do. We've got some road to walk, some stories to share, some experiences to relate. And that bond go, can go just as great whether it's an earthly father or not. Obviously, it's great if an earthly father and son walk together, there's all that close bond and spiritual connection between the two of them. But it doesn't have to be. 
could be any older man and any younger man together who, with like mind, devote themselves to the work of the Lord. It's a huge encouragement and a challenge to both the older men and the younger men. And we, today, are reaping the benefits of that relationship. We get the letters between Paul and Timothy as a benefit of their relationship that they had all those years ago. We're direct beneficiaries of Paul and Timothy. Isn't that special? And just think of the legacy that we can have with our children and grandchildren just by two people working closely side by side. And I think we see that even in this assembly. Young men being trained up. And who knows what the legacy is of our generation by people who are honestly and dedica- honestly dedicating their lives to following the Lord and working together. There's a huge legacy that's going to be left behind. Paul and Timothy planted... They didn't just build up churches that were already there. They went and planted new ones. And... Uh, <laughs> How great it would be to see in this generation and the next more churches planted in the Bay Area. See the Lord work. The church is not a stagnant thing. It needs to grow. It's the body of Christ. It has all the power of God behind it. And it must grow. And I hope I I get to be the shoot that springs out and grows. I hope that all of us can grow in the Lord and plant some new churches. How great would that be? And finally, as a final encouragement, I want to talk about the teachability of Timothy. And that's something we're going to delve more into um, over the course of the book, um, starting with with the very next verses, actually, next week. Is everything that Paul said, Timothy took to heart. And that's very important for young men to be, and women, to be instructed in the right way and to take all those things to heart. Because too often we see, even in our society, the younger generation tries to throw off the things of the older generation and discredit them and say, oh yeah, those are old-fashioned customs. And we now have a, a new understanding, a better understanding. We, we, uh, we can be wiser than our parents. But when it comes to the gospel, that wisdom is the truth of God. It doesn't get old or irrelevant or start over. It's the same. That new, new song is still the old, old story. And so for the, the young men in the assembly, for the, for the young people, men or women, how important it is for us to take the lessons of the previous generation to heart to dedicate ourselves to the study of the Word, to love it, and to pour that out into others. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself just as much as anyone in the, in the audience today. We need to devote ourselves to the Scripture and to following the Lord as the younger generation and taking all these things to heart. I think th- these letters from Paul to Timothy... Timothy must have read over and over and over. In the same, in the same way, we can memorize Scripture. We can even memorize this book if we, if we want to. How good it is to take the Scripture into our hearts. 
And it's my encouragement to everyone here at the assembly, not just the young people, be teachable before the Lord. Take all of these things to heart. This book, as Paul outlines it to Timothy, is outlined so that he might know how to properly conduct himself in the church and how to properly organize it. And he'll go through a whole list. We'll see the, um, the requirements for elders and deacons outlined in this book. We'll see uh, care of widows and orphans and proper doctrine and guarding against heresies and all of these things that are, that are necessary for the proper maintaining and building up of a church. Paul's going to outline them to Timothy again in this book. And we get to be the beneficiaries of, of understanding all that. But understand where Paul's coming from. He cares about Timothy as his son. He cares about the church at Ephesus as a place he spent years laboring. And all of these things we get to take to heart as to what the Lord's doing in the church at Ephesus and what He's also doing in our hearts as we, His church, continue following Him today. So that's my final encouragement to everyone is take all these things to heart. As we dig into this book, we're going to spend the next couple months doing it. Take all these things to heart and we'll see what the Lord does in our church. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank You for pouring out Your love towards us, towards Your church. We thank You for using these two great men, Paul and Timothy, and what a challenge they are towards us to be like them. And Lord, we pray as we study this book, Lord, that we will take these things to heart, that we will understand, Lord, how much You care about Your church, and Lord, that sticking to these old paths of how you want your body to be run, of how you want us to dedicate our lives to knowing who you are as we were created to. Lord, we pray that we as a church might do that um, and continue to do that more and more as we see the day where you're coming back approaching. So Lord, we thank you for your word and uh, we're excited to explore it more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.